0: aloha
1: everybody Uh, happy Thanksgiving hope you're all enjoying things that you're thankful for spending time with family and uh, being around people you care about thinking about things that are important just wanted to come and do a quick book review for this Thanksgiving here with my family having a nice afternoon and getting ready to have a nice dinner Um, here's a book I wanted to talk about here on Thanksgiving Right here's someone I'm I'm thankful for, and I think we should all be thankful for is uh, WikiLeaks, Mr. Julian Assange. This is a great book. It's called uh, "When Google Met WikiLeaks," and it's it's a fascinating read. Um, there's some great chapters in here. One chapter is called uh, "The Mountain Comes to Mohammed." And it talks about how Eric Schmidt. Own. all these people came to meet Julian Assange while he was being held hostage in the embassy you know it was shortly after the revolt in Egypt the the first spring if you will and um, I just re- I want to read you a couple passages it's, it's interesting to think about how we've gone from the First uprising in Egypt from a man flipping over a cart because prices are too high to the yellow vests to where we are in Hong Kong now in reading this book you can actually see quite a bit of evolution of, of how things happened and I'll just give you one example in uh, part of the example during the <laughs> chapter uh, communicating in a revolutionary moment there is a I'll give you a little bit of insight into you know try to help paint a picture for you imagine being in the embassy and you know here's Eric Schmidt talking to Julian Assange and the conversation went something like this when, this is Eric Schmidt talking when we were chatting initially we talked about my idea that mobile phones being empowered is changing society a rough summary of your answer for everybody else is that people are pretty much the same and something big has to change their behavior this might be one of them you said you were very interested in some in somebody building phone-to-phone encryption can you talk a little bit about roughly the architecture where you would have a broad open network and you have person-to-person encryption what does that mean technically how would it work why is it important that kind of stuff. I think people don't understand any of this area, in my view. That's Eric Schmidt. And it's interesting he's asking that question. You know, here's this technocrat that's probably the United States biggest defense contractor now, asking Julian Assange, who at the time probably understands more about the architecture Of IT as much as anybody else. If you know, if not at that time, being at that time definitely being one of the maybe the premier person about information technology. Anyways, his answer says something to the effect of, "When we when we were dealing with Egypt, we saw Mubarak's government cut off the internet, but there was one ISP still connected." quite a few of us were involved in trying to keep it open it had maybe six percent of the market the Mubarak government also cut off the mobile phone system why is it that this can be done people with mobile phones have a device that can communicate in a radio spectrum in a city there is a high density of mobile phones there is always a path between one person and another person that is there is always a continuous path of mobile phones each one of which can in theory hear the radio of the others. So basically what they're talk he's talking about is implementing some sort of a peer-to-peer network, you know, without their without the use of the cell towers, the actual phones themselves being the methodology in which people can communicate, you know, if you remember the that first Arab Spring, they, they shut down all the internet. They didn't want people communicating. They didn't have, you know, ways to really do a runaround on it. And you know, it's it's funny that looking back, I guess everything's twenty twenty in hindsight. But I maybe I'm wrong, but I I thought I remembered <clears throat> hearing analysts talk about that this is what's going to happen all over the world. You know, this is the revolution that people talked about. <clears throat> and since then we've seen quite a few of them and we've seen different ways governments have responded. We've seen a lot of heavy-handed governments, you know, you know, like the great firewall in China. It's funny because they kind of get into China a little bit and you know, uh that's going to be the next part that I kind of go into here, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the beginning part about what they could do. Um, I I was watching a little bit of the Hong Kong riots and some of the first off, I am proud of those young kids out there and people fighting for their freedoms throughout the world. I, I stand with you in Hong Kong. I was impressed to see people using, using their phones. There's different apps you know, they utilize the Bluetooth system so that their phones can't, the mobile system can't be cut off. There's a lot of good apps out there. I'm gonna try to look through them and I'll put some of the ones I've heard about in the discussion box. I know I have a lot of that to do going through my videos. So when I get in there and edit them, I'll, I'll try to put a link to some of those apps that I've heard people discussing that can make your phone an antenna or a receiver for, for Bluetooth, you know, kind of a peer to peer. Further down the book, they talk about uh, technology and the internet and censorship. And again, I just I think it's interesting that you have Eric Schmidt and other people talking to Julian Assange about censorship. You know, on one hand, it, it seems like you have Julian Assange who wants no censorship, and then you have people running the tech companies. The the new technocracy trying to pick his brain about what they can do to implement more censorship. It's it's an it's a fascinating read, and you guys should pick it up. If you can buy it on the WikiLeaks website. Uh, when Google met WikiLeaks, but you should pick it up just to support WikiLeaks and pick up a shirt while you're there. Why not? Maybe some crypto kitties. But anyways as they begin talking about the surveillance state and they begin talking about censorship in China, um, I'm gonna read this blurb from Julian Assange that just shows you why he's different than everybody else. So they're talking about the impact of technology and the impact of the internet and censorship in China. So the, the, the previous paragraph starts out kind of like this. I'll, I'll just kind of skim through it, and then I'll give you Julian Assange's answer. Let me tease out some of this. It sounds like you've got a view of the globe with certain societies whether the impact, where the impact of technology is relatively slight, certain societies where politically the impact of technology could be quite great, and certain societies where it would be a sort of middling way. And you would put China into, I guess, the middling category? Since our book is all about technology and social transformation 10 years down the line, what's the globe that you see given the structure you are describing? And here's Julian Assange's answer. I'm not sure about the impact on China. It is still a political society, so the impact could be very great. Here's the part that I really like. I often say that censorship is always cause for celebration. Hmm, think about that for a minute. He always says that censorship is always cause for celebration. Before I read the rest, can you think of why he would celebrate censorship? I had to pause there for a minute myself and think about it. Okay. It is always an opportunity because it reveals fear. Of reform it means that the power position is so weak that you have got to care what people think so let me read it in full just so you can get the gist of it I often say that censorship is always cause for celebration it is always an opportunity because it reveals fear of reform it means that the power position is so weak that you have got to care about what people think So that's a little bit about this book right here and I hope you guys take the time to to get into it and check it out and there's other strains that of censorship that you probably wouldn't you may or may not think about they talk a little bit about the financial system and they talk about complexity as a form of censorship Um, Julian Assange There is another type of censorship that i have thought about but don't speak so much about which is censorship through complexity through complexity and that is basically the offshore financial sector censorship through complexity censorship of what censorship of political outrage with enough political outrage there is law reform and if there's law reform you can't do it anymore so why is it that all these careful tax structuring arrangements are so complex They may be perfectly legal, but why are they so complex? Well, because the ones that weren't complex were understood, and the ones that were understood were regulated. So you're only left with the things that are incredibly complex. So basically more noise, less signal. So I just, I hope you guys take a a few minutes to think about it. Maybe go on WikiLeaks, think about what that guy's done. You know, I don't know, I'm not a judge or a jury, but I think that that guy's definitely changed the world. And I think that while I understand the need for there to be, in some situations, maybe not all the information given out publicly i can understand the need to hold back some things however i i think we're holding back way too many things i think if more things came out into the public if more things came to light then the world would be a little bit better place so anyways that's it for today's and uh i hope you guys are having a great thanksgiving aloha aloha everyone